SCP Fanfic Readings presents Deep, Deeply by Van Miner Part 2 Only those who'd done time at Azkaban would recognize its similarities with Hogwarts. Cold stones layered over mortar and more stone. Voices carried across rooms. The castle trapped a chill between walls that no amount of lit fireplaces could reach. And though the meals were better and the general atmosphere was exciting, Draco's sentence tainted his memories of returning to school. Hogwarts had always been something he looked forward to. Draco loved sporting new robes, the smell of fresh parchment, and new books. He liked to learn. He liked to be challenged. His relationship with his professors had been questionable, but he'd performed well. He'd made great friends and always found creative, albeit self-destructive, ways to have fun. This year, however, his past had those memories feeling like a dream. A dream that belonged to someone else. Draco was too cold to remember the way a summer breeze felt drifting in from the castle's open windows. His chest felt too heavy to feel eager about classes. He was too anxious about seeing her again to admire the decorative flora and fauna, instead choosing to stare at his feet as he walked the halls. He was grateful for the distance the other students helped to create between him and them. He hid himself at the end of the Slytherin table where no one joined him. No one spoke to Draco but the collective whispers about him often reached his ears. Of the Slytherins whose families supported the Dark Lord, only Draco and Theo not had returned. And while Draco spent his first days isolated from the others, Theo appeared to fit in seamlessly with their peers. He was funny and kind. Theo had always been the more charming amongst Draco's friend group, and Draco didn't hold it against him. Theo deserved to move out from his father's shadow. As a good wizard, he deserved to move on. Unlike Theo and his bright smiles and jokes, Draco knew the haughty mask he plastered on made him unapproachable. He'd planned it that way. He was here to study, take his NEWTs, and carry on with his sad excuse for a life. It was best for him and the others. His mere presence stirred up questions and concerns. His classmates were anxious and could be volatile if provoked, and he dutifully planned to keep to himself though that was easier said than done when newly reformed snakes lingered too closely to the lion's den. It was during breakfast on their first morning back that Draco felt someone sit beside him. There was the surge of warm air and the adjoining scent of summer. Something floral and warm. It reminded Draco of nights spent in his French garden looking up the stars. He knew who it was immediately. Granger smiled at him, tentative and perhaps a little shy. That surprised him. "'I'm happy to see you here,' she said. Draco's brows lowered and he tensed. "'Ministry mandated,' he grunted. Her smile faded in response. With an arm propped on the table, she leaned in a bit closer. "'Draco, I want to apologize for what happened over the holidays. We're here now, and I don't want things to be uncomfortable between us.' He shook his head. Confusion thickened. "'There's nothing to apologize for.' "'Of course there is. You were hurting and in recovery. Your whole life was turned upside down and I abandoned you.' Draco scowled. "'And those are your problems, how, Granger?' "'They aren't,' she nodded definitively. "'But I didn't make it any easier for you. And for that, I'm sorry. You needed a friend, and instead I lashed out. I let my own disappointment about the situation prevent me from seeing what was happening to you.' Draco collected his books dropping them into his shoulder bag. It's fine. 
He slowly stalked away, eyes trained to his feet. Upon entering the herbology classroom minutes later, Draco found day one's discussion topics listed on the chalkboard. He was thankful for the distraction. That was, until Granger followed him in and took the empty seat at his workbench. "'We have the same course load,' she explained. Draco busied himself, pulling out parchment and a brand-new quill. She kept nattering on despite his evident displeasure. "'I was curious, and so I asked McGonagall what NEWTs you'd signed up for. All of them, of course, though I shouldn't be surprised. We did study together, after all.' Her response made him stiffen, but she didn't act the least bit concerned. Granger pulled out her own supplies, stationing them alongside his. She skimmed through their textbook and hummed softly in thought. "'I suppose I'll have to owl your mother a thank you. I'm feeling much better about this class thanks to her notes. And before you ask, no, we haven't been keeping in touch. Well, that's not exactly true. I wrote to her once to ask how you were doing. But she was very vague, if that makes you feel better.' He said nothing, as he tapped his quill tip against the blank parchment. As the silence descended upon them, Hermione squirmed in her seat. "'I worked with Neville Longbottom briefly. He's returned to class as well. He's strong in herbology, but his potions work was weak compared to yours.' It was Draco's turn to squirm. He busied himself with his textbook, trying and failing to hide his discomfort. "'Are you going to say something, or are you going to ignore me like a child?' she said. His eyes cut to hers. A steely grey glare met her warm oaken brown. "'We're not friends, Granger. I don't know what you're on about here, but you're wasting your time.' She appeared taken aback. Her eyes had widened and her lips parted. Quickly turning away from her, Drago dared to look around. With all but his eyes hidden behind his shoulder, he saw the surrounding seats were now filling in. He and Hermione were the sole fixation of their classmates' attention. There were sheltered whispers starting and blatant stares. Drago knew for a fact that they weren't talking about Granger. His head drew back toward the front of the class. You shouldn't be here. He heard a soft puff of air escape her mouth. At Hogwarts? she asked. No. His tone was clipped. You shouldn't be here, sitting next to me. Associating yourself with a Death Eater will do you no favors, Granger. He expected her to shy away. He hoped she would. Instead, Granger's face inched in closer to his. If you think I'm worried about my reputation, you don't know me very well. Her hand came down over his arm. Her touch burned. Draco instantly pulled away. He fiddled with his parchment, lining it impossibly straight, and avoided Granger's stare. I see you're still enjoying the jumper I knit you. Out of the corner of his eyes, he saw Granger grin. You were always so cold. I used a warming charm on the thread, hoping it would help. Slowly, Draco tugged his outer robes higher over his neck, hiding the jumper from view. He hadn't realized she'd knit it for him, but it made sense considering it was the only article of clothing he owned that kept the cold at bay. For that reason alone, he'd clung to her gift. But knowing she'd made it... Draco was embarrassed. It was far too intimate a gift, made worse because he couldn't understand why Granger would go through all that trouble. It looks nice on you, she whispered as their lecture began. Draco thought he might have felt a sliver of warmth caress his spine, but no sooner than he'd noticed, it faded entirely. Draco's plan to easily evade his classmates didn't take into account Hermione Granger's relentless pestering. She'd begun sitting next to him during every class. In the great hall, she'd wave him over, and ignoring her failed every time. 
During each meal, Granger levitated her food to his table and wordlessly dropped down beside him. Escaping to the recesses of the library hadn't proved helpful either. She'd always managed to find him, and with an embarrassingly large stack of books in tow, she'd plopped them down next to his before starting in on her notes. Her behavior was strange, and it made him feel uneasy. And when Draco quickly realized Granger's presence was warming the air around him, he felt guilt. They never talked. He never looked at her. Occasionally he'd move his things aside to give her more space, but that was the extent of it. They'd done this dance for a week. Draco never sat at the same desk twice, always choosing different sections of the library to hide in. He never spent time in their common room, and only went to the great hall with the intent to eat and leave. Yet, try as he might, Granger was always there. Her inner lion sniffed him out. Claws bore in an effort to hold on to him. On their seventh night, Draco went to where she'd never look for him, making the long hike up to the astronomy tower. He'd avoided the tower since his sixth year, when the final veneer of home had been stripped from Hogwarts. Being back awakened the same fears he'd carried to Azkaban. Fear of the Dark Lord, fear for his mother, the fear of what he'd been forced to do. He'd been a coward then. He was a coward now. That thought was made more apparent as he remained hiding in the tower. Draco wondered how long it would take for Granger to give up her search. The humor that thought once would have sparked now felt plundered by remorse. He no longer hated Granger. He was trying to help her, not punish her, and he most certainly wasn't willing to be her replacement for Harry Potter. He was far too capable to consider resorting to that sort of dynamic. All thought silenced as soft footfalls rounded the iron stairs. Warmth followed, and the familiar floral scent— Draco sighed. His back remained to her. How are you doing it, Granger? She laughed. It echoed between walls before fading. Another few feet sounded before Granger reached his side. Together they stood at the edge of the platform, staring out the circular window. Answer this for me first. How'd you know it was me? First of all, there's only one witch stalking me throughout the castle these days. Stalking? I'm hardly— I have more than enough experience being stalked by Potter to recognize a pattern. And secondly— Draco had sharpened his words to cut through her ire, and he took a breath before continuing. Your thoughts are very loud. She'd been standing at his hip, but quickly stepped aside. You're using legitimacy on me. No, he said, but that doesn't stop my mind from reaching for yours. It's like a brush of hands or a whisper spoken at a distance— I don't have to probe your thoughts to feel them. Oh. Granger lessened their distance once more. Go on, then. I've spilt my secrets. You owe me the same courtesy. Draco wasn't looking at her, but from his peripherals he could see Granger fishing around in her pockets. She withdrew a bit of parchment and held it between them. He scowled upon finding the parchment blank. Don't take me for a fool, Granger. He turned in time to see her smirk. She pressed her wand tip into the parchment and whispered, I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. A map of Hogwarts revealed itself. The names of students moved throughout the various rooms in the castle. He found his own in the astronomy tower beside Hermione Granger. Well, you're certainly not up to anything good with this in your possession. Draco lifted his eyes from the map and Hermione grinned. It was a gift from Harry. Draco bristled at the name. And where is the Chosen One? 
too exceptional to return for his N.E.W.T.'s. Her cheeks darkened. He was offered a position with the oars after the war. Of course he was, Draco scoffed. Perfect potter, where credentials don't matter, so long as you have the legacy to hold your fame. You're one to talk, she nudged him playfully. Her smirk echoed the soft tone she'd employed. I distinctly remember you using your surname to buy a way through school. My father would have none of that, even if it's what I wanted you to believe. I was expected to earn my place in class just like everyone else. And besides, look how well the Malfoy name is serving me now. Hermione surprised him by coming close enough to his side that their arms brushed. I went too far. He shook his head, rewarding himself with a quick glance at her profile. You're only dishing out what I was too eager to serve for far too long. I deserve it. You don't, she said. But I'm sorry that you feel like you do. Draco sighed as a shiver descended his back. He stepped away from her before coming to sit at the edge of the platform, his legs dangling off the ledge. What are you doing here, Granger? Without permission, she came and sat beside him. Would you believe me if I said I didn't know? No. A laugh escaped her lips. Well, it's the truth. I don't know what I'm doing. I only know I don't like the idea of you spending the entire summer term hidden away by yourself. You can't replace them with me, Granger. I'm not equipped to be some ragtag member of your new trio. Rude, she warned. Draco ignored her. I'm not a charity case. I'm sorry. It wasn't my intention to make you feel that way. Stop, he growled. Stop apologizing to me. Draco, no, he snapped. That'd be three times in the last year you've apologized, and to me, of all people. Do you know how ridiculous that is? I've never once apologized. I'm the one who should be making amends. Yet you're the one serving up apologies for inconsequential wrongdoings like their cauldron cakes. You know what I've done to you, and you know I don't deserve whatever it is you're doing. To his continued surprise, Granger didn't appear offended. He challenged that notion by fully meeting her gaze. Granger's expression was soft. Her lips were parted as if she wished to continue, to defend his deservedness. Instead, her lips pursed before she smiled. Draco, would you like to apologize to me? At that, he sat up straight. His hands balled into fists. He hid them between his knees as he sat forward and as far from her as he could manage. I've wanted to, yes, was all he said. Hermione's dislike for personal space was becoming apparent. She leaned her temple against the rail and examined his face closely. Why haven't you? His teeth grit. Draco felt the muscles in his back tighten. What could I possibly say to fix what I've done? It's irrelevant. She placed a hand on his knee. Draco flinched, but he didn't push her away. The heat coursing through his trousers was all-consuming, warming him from the outside in. I'm aware apologies are likely foreign to you, but they aren't meant to fix the problem. You give them to acknowledge your part in someone else's hurt. Then you can both move on. Wouldn't you like that? To move on? His eyes lowered. I can't. Her head lifted from the rail. You can't move on? Yes. As her evident confusion thickened, Draco returned to his feet. Her hand fell away, stealing the warmth with it. Moving on is a luxury only afforded to those who chose the right side of the wall. I can't move on. 
I need to remember what I've done. I deserve to carry the weight of my regrets and self-hatred. Brown eyes widened. She looked up at him, curls curtaining her cheek. That's an incredible amount of pressure to put on yourself. He shrugged. It's the only way to make certain something like that doesn't happen again. Shaking her head, Granger turned on her rear, facing him fully. No single person has the power to stop people from behaving how they will. I'll do what I can, then. She smiled, small yet earnest. You can make kinder choices. You can befriend the people you might not have three years ago. Draco frowned. He crossed his arms. Are you trying to manipulate me into being your friend? Laughing, Granger returned to her feet. Perhaps, if it works. The sound of her laugh struck his heart, causing his chest to clench. It was a surprising reaction, one he hadn't experienced in a long time. He pushed the thoughts away, lowering his eyes even further. I meant what I said on our first morning back. Associating yourself with me. It's a bad idea. You've got a future ahead of you, Granger. You could be the next minister for magic. If the Prophet caught wind of you associating yourself with me, they'd drag your name through the dirt. Her shoulders lifted. I like a challenge. Draco rolled his eyes. Of course you do. I'm all too familiar with bad publicity. It's never stopped me before. He put it to rest, for now. He'd forgotten how stubborn Hermione Granger could be. It was unexpectedly endearing, but overall tiresome. Why didn't the Ministry offer you a job after the war? he asked. They might have, if I let them. I offered hours as an intern, but being handed something when I hadn't earned it, that doesn't sit right with me. I don't have the education or the scores to complete my application. I wanted to go about it the right way. How bloody Gryffindor of you, Granger. She smirked. Maybe so. Wandering back over to the edge of the platform, Draco put his back to her, and though he couldn't see her, he could still feel Granger's eyes. Her unwavering stare was hot against his back. He could hear her feet coming closer. What about you, Draco? What do you want to do once you've completed your NEWTs? Draco tensed, his eyes fixated on the Forbidden Forest. I haven't thought about it. Maya, her voice teased. There was never going to be a life for me that wasn't scripted into some contract. I've known you for nine years. I'm not naive enough to believe you hadn't considered other options. You loved Quidditch. You're excellent at school. You could do anything you'll put your mind to, she said. Pursing his lips, Draco's hands grasped the railing. His fingers tightened, turning his knuckles white. Potions, was all he said. You wanted to go into potions work? A mastery he said. I wanted a potion's mastery. You'd be good at it, too. He could hear the smile in her voice, and it bothered him that he knew her well enough now to do so. Draco was meant to be keeping distance from others, and here he was instead, hearing Granger smile. No potions master in this country would ever consider taking me on. Then we'll look into other countries, she said. There is no we, Granger. You'd do well to remember that. She sighed. Granger backed away from the bar. It's getting late. I'll come find you tomorrow. Drago turned, finding Granger tapping a finger against her hidden map. He flashed a glare, and she responded with a smirk. Good night, Drago. He watched her descend the stairs. She reached the door on the first level. 
Good night, Granger. She briefly caught his stare over her shoulder, before smiling and exiting the tower. It was easier for Draco to assume this thing with Granger was fleeting. She'd eventually grow tired of his temper and overall dampened personality and move on like she had over the winter. But that wasn't exactly what had happened, and he knew it. It was Draco who'd pushed Granger out. She'd planned to return to their sessions as promised. She'd committed to their arrangement, even after their break. And with all that considered, it shouldn't have surprised Draco that when the second week of classes started, Hermione remained at his side. She might have been the brightest witch of their age, but with that came a maddening degree of stubbornness. Even on the nights where Draco didn't talk, which, to be transparent, was every evening following their conversation in the astronomy tower, Granger didn't let it sway her. She'd post up with a book at his side or take out her class notes. She never forced him into talking. She was simply there, warm and content. Draco hated to admit it, but he'd gotten used to her. He'd begun making a mental catalogue of Granger's strange habits. Granger never dog-eared books, but she never had a bookmark on her either. She'd wedged just about anything between pages to hold her place. She preferred the use of a muggle pen over a quill, but always chose the quill during lectures or when studying with someone other than Draco. She was an audible reader. Her little sighs and grumbles were distracting. He'd never known someone to be such an active participant while reading a book, but it was sweet. She was sweet. Noticing these parts of Granger was terrifying. He'd grown familiar with her, yes, but that fact alone was a setup for disaster. Draco had begun to worry about what would happen when she was gone. If she replaced him with another charity case or moved on to other friends, he'd be forced to remember what it was like to be completely alone. It had only been thirteen days of her consistent presence, but in those thirteen days she'd created a feeling of normalcy that Draco wasn't sure he'd survive Hogwarts without. The sting of seeing Granger seated with Longbottom during lunch, or choosing the chair beside Luna during ancient runes, that ache reminded him of his own grave error, one which needed to be quickly remedied. The distance between him and the others was as much a benefit for him as it was for them, and he'd do well to remember that now, as he grew more comfortable around Granger. He'd planned to set things straight, iron out his priorities, but Granger usually found him some time after dinner, and so he waited in the one place he could easily cause a scene. He'd scare Granger off if he had to. It was the only way. When the time came, however, Draco was rendered speechless. His argument was hot on his tongue, but his meticulously planned defense failed upon seeing her. Granger strode into their common room, the old staff wing that had been transformed for the summer term. She had on a skirt, her outer robes were missing, and in their place was a plain white camisole. She looked radiant with her ever-expanding curls and cheeks stained red from the humidity. Despite the enjoyable mental picture of her appearance created, it wasn't her hair, cheeks, or bare arms which caused Draco to forget he was meant to be scaring Granger off. It was that when she entered the common room packed tight with her friends, her magnetic brown eyes trained on him. They stole his breath. His heart might have skipped a beat, but he'd never admit it. Granger strode past their classmates and directly to his chair. "'Fancy finding you here,' she grinned. The angry words he'd prepared slid further down his throat. He admired her vibrant expression as confusion wrinkled his brow. "'Come with me,' Granger held out her hand. He simply stared at it while debating her motives. His head shook and she wiggled her fingers in waiting. 
Draco couldn't say what made him do it. Perhaps it was the many stares he could feel watching them. Maybe it was the whispers that started soft and then grew louder when he hadn't moved. But he took Granger's hand. It was the warmest sensation he'd experienced since Azkaban, and he felt the heat spread across his skin. She tugged him onto his feet before leading him toward the door. "'Where are you taking me?' he asked once they reached the main hall. She hadn't released his hand, but he wished she would because he thought he might be too stubborn to ever let go. "'We're having a well-deserved break.' "'That didn't answer my question.' Granger chuckled. She drew him closer to her side. "'You'll see soon enough.' "'I'm more concerned that Hermione Granger of all witches is suggesting we take a break.' "'Shocking, I know.' She smirked and dropped his hand. "'But if there's one thing I've learned these last few years, it's that we are in charge of our own fun. For a few hours I want to forget about the NEWTs and my future. I want to forget I'm the Golden Girl and everything that's expected of me. Can you understand that?' "'You want a little less,' he pondered. Granger shrugged. "'It's a Friday night. Half the students are in Hawksmead. The others are getting ready to play games in the common room. And you and I—' We were probably headed for the library, and we'd go there and sit in silence and read our books, and right now, well, that sounds dreadfully boring. He squinted at her. In other words, you're forcing me to have fun. Precisely, she sang. Hermione linked their arms together as they descended the grand stairs. This is the first time in Hogwarts history students are free to come and go on weekends. Because we're adults, Draco quipped. "'Regardless of the reasoning, neither of us have taken advantage of it.' "'I hate to tumble your excitement, but I really don't fancy a trip to Hogsmeade right now.' Upon reaching the entrance hall, Granger headed for the doors. "'We're not going to Hogsmeade. We're staying on the grounds.' Draco scoffed. "'Your idea of leveraging the new rules is by remaining at Hogwarts. You're such a swat, Granger.' "'We're outside the castle now, aren't we?' She flashed him a sideways look. Two whole meters. The absolute audacity. I can't imagine what other scandalous activities you have planned for us. Draco deadpanned. Granger yanked on his arm. Give it a rest, would you? Try and relax. Draco allowed himself to be led down the dirt path and towards the greenhouses. She didn't stop there. They continued along the tree line of the Forbidden Forest and toward the bordering wall. Darkness crept in from the shadows, but the stars were surprisingly bright. As she picked up the pace, his breathing quickened. Sweat built against Draco's brow and down his neck. He was warm. No, he was hot. Draco could suddenly feel the full effect of summer. The humidity was thick. The scent of pine and grass traveled the air. Draco was bogged down by his many layers, but he couldn't bring himself to care. They were sensations he'd been missing, the ones he'd believed were robbed by Azkaban. He could feel the heat and smell the summer air. It was different, but not all that unlike the aroma that clung to Granger. Draco looked around at the world and realized it wasn't gray. It was filled with stars. That thought had Draco walking a little faster. He began to enjoy the feel of Granger's arm tucked around his. He could smell her shampoo and all its similarities. She was summer personified, and that was an interesting realization. Moments ago, he'd been prepared to cast her off, with force if necessary. He wanted the entire common room to hear his declaration. Draco Malfoy did not need nor want Hermione Granger's friendship or her pity. Though now he realized her pity felt like summer. If he were to lose her, 
It could destroy him. For this fleeting moment, however, he'd allow her to stay. Was your plan to run me ragged until I faint? He teased. There must have been something in his tone that caught her off guard. She turned to him. Confusion laced her stare until a wide grin plastered over her cheeks. Might be the best nap you've had in a long while. By tell of those bags under your eyes, you sleep about as well as I do. He ribbed her playfully with his elbow. If that's your way of telling me I look like shite, then you'll need to help me expand my glamour charms. She pushed him back, this time leaving her shoulder pressed beneath his. You look fine. Only fine. I won't be bolstering any egos tonight, thank you. They wove between trees. Thick green canopies veiled them from the stars. She had them headed down towards a small clearing alongside the stream. Leave it to Hogwarts Brightest to know something about the school I don't. Granger slowed. She removed her arm from his. I found this during my fourth year. With so much activity around the tournament, it was easier to come and go as I pleased. She kicked off her flats. Her socks followed, but she didn't stop there. Draco's eyes widened. His heart began to race as Granger shimmied out of her skirt and pulled her shirt over her head. Try as he might, Draco couldn't fight his stare. He couldn't offer her the respect she deserved by shielding his eyes. Her bronze skin and all its freckles and curves were on full display. He was weak, and Hermione Granger was suddenly the most beautiful witch he'd ever laid eyes on. What are you doing? With one hand stashed in his pocket, and the other running laps over the back of his neck, Draco finally looked down. My, my! With all the rumors surrounding your reputation, I would have thought you'd be more familiar with female anatomy. When solicited, he said, and that still doesn't explain why you're in your knickers right now. Granger laughed. At him? Because of what he said? He didn't know, and it didn't matter. His cheeks were flushed. He couldn't meet her eyes. I'm going for a swim. Care to join? Without waiting for his response, Granger's bare feet padded down towards the edge of the stream, rewarding him with a lovely view of her backside, as his eyes turned over his shoulders to follow her. Standing amongst the rocks, she faced him. When I first came to Hogwarts, I was disappointed that the Black Lake was off limits. Obstruction of wildlife, which is fair, and likely everything in there would have tried to kill me anyway. But I grew up camping with my family. I loved going for a swim on a hot day. I found this place, and no one else seems to know about it. She said nothing further. Her back was to him again, and she made a quick leap off of the rocks. In a blink, Granger disappeared beneath the water. Draco felt his heart lurch and his feet were suddenly moving forward on their own accord. When she resurfaced a second later, she was laughing. She released a rapid breath and wiped the water from her face. She smiled at him, her entire face lifting with excitement. Draco lowered his eyes. You'll kill a bloke acting like this. Don't exaggerate. Get in. He'd considered Granger seeing him without his trousers on exactly three times— those daydreams, bare moments of weakness, involved significantly fewer articles of clothing, of course. In an effort to maintain a grasp on his masculinity, Draco pulled off his trousers. He shed his robes, he was perfectly bare, sans the pants, before coming to stand at the edge of the stream. Merlin, this water is freezing, Granger. You're mad. Granger swam in closer. She ducked beneath the surface. When she reemerged, she spat a mouthful of water at Draco's legs. Which Now you've done it!' he glared before throwing himself off the rocks. He landed beside her with a giant splash. 
He could hear her laughing and gasping for air, and despite the frigid temperature of the water, everything in him felt warm. He followed suit. Draco drew water in between his lips and spit at the side of Granger's head. Using an arm, she sent a wave of water hurling toward him. Draco ducked and snagged her around the waist. He pulled her under, but only briefly. Granger returned the favor by kicking her feet in his face. He was laughing then, too. His lungs fought for air, but he didn't mind the strain. Draco returned every playful assault with one of his own until they were both too breathless to carry on. Granger surrendered first. She swam over to the ledge, lying back on the rocks and letting her legs dangle in the depths of the stream. Draco joined beside her, but not before spitting one last mouthful of water against her cheek. Granger laughed as she stared up at the sky. The clearing provided a full view of the stars and the strawberry moon. Look, her hand raised. There you are. Draco followed her finger toward the constellations before them. It was him, his namesake. There, and here I am, Granger. I used to think your name was awful, she admitted. But now I find it rather remarkable. The dragon of the night sky. Do you know much about constellations? he asked. Hermione shrugged. Her head tilted to find him, damp curls waiting in the inch of water beneath them. Less than you'd likely believe. Draco turned away. Well, there's a few star clusters up there worth knowing, and not the ones our textbooks preach about. There's Hydra, the water serpent who runs through many major constellations, like the cat, the scales, and the owl. Then there's Scorpius, aptly named, of course, Cassiopeia and Pavo. Delphinius is also a personal favorite of mine, the dolphin. "'You remind me of the stars a bit,' she said, her lips curling in thought. He turned to her. "'How so?' Granger shrugged. "'When reflected, you're bright and interesting. But when the lights go out, I—' She cleared her throat. "'You've always had a big personality, and I guess—well, what I mean is, it's noticeable what's been taken from you.' Draco frowned, but something had him holding Granger's stare. "'I asked you not to concern yourself with me.' Her lips pulled further to the side. "'Will you forgive me if I say I tried?' He shook his head. "'You're impossibly stubborn.' Her eyes turned back toward the sky. "'It's endearing.' Draco didn't comment further. The two basked in the moonlight until their skin wrinkled. They then hurried back to the common room beneath a warming charm before separating toward their respective dorms. Draco might have assumed that would be the end of it. They'd had their fun. It was time to return their focus to school. But he surprised himself by thinking, he didn't want this to end. Granger brought back his excitement, his wit, his charm. She gave him back summer nights and laughter and the scent of ripe citrus and jasmine. Draco knew wanting something he could easily lose would be a mistake but he couldn't help it. One warm night spent under the stars with Hermione Granger, and his want was restored. The following morning started with a knock at his door. He'd been awake for some time, but had lacked the motivation to get out of bed. He was staring up at the ceiling, relishing in the cozy feeling of his blankets, when the sound pulled him to his feet. Draco trudged to the door. As he opened it, he ran a hand through his sleep-must hair. Granger stood before him with two mugs in hand. Her eyes were on his chest. His bare chest, he realized. Slowly they worked their way up to his face. 
He smirked, seeing her expression. Her cheeks turned a lovely shade of pink, and her eyes held a little too wide. She forced one of the warm mugs into his hand before sliding past him. "'May I help you?' He took a long sip of tea, eyes holding hers over the rim. "'I thought you would be up by now. You didn't come to breakfast,' she trailed off, looking away. "'I was having a bit of a lion.' He crossed the room and sat on the edge of his bed. "'Someone kept me out late.' Granger wandered the perimeter of his room. "'There's not much to look at,' she noted. "'And it's rather dark.' "'Luxuries of a northern-facing dormitory. It never sees the sun. If it weren't a shortened term, I might have considered a few pictures. But as it stands, the Ministry still has most of my belongings collected as evidence.' Her jaw dropped. "'Still?' He nodded. "'There's no real motivation to return decorative items to ex-Death Eaters.' "'That's awful,' she pouted. Draco merely shrugged before taking another sip of his tea. "'I wonder if I might be able to convince you to help me with something,' she asked, coming to stand at the center of his room. This morning she wore a muted pink dress. It had tiny threads of fabric for straps, but complemented her bronzed complexion well. All that exposed skin had Draco considering if it felt as soft as it looked.' "'I can't say no until you've told me what it is you want.' He lowered his eyes. Hermione drew in a deep breath. Her head lifted. "'I need a dress.' "'And you've come to borrow one of mine.' She glared at him, setting down her mug on his nightstand. "'I'd like for you to go with me to purchase one.' "'Did I miss the part where we became girlfriends? "'What's next? You'll ask me to paint your nails.' "'Draco,' she sighed. "'It's just—' I hate going into Diagon Alley on my own. Ever since the minister awarded me the Order of Merlin, people have been overwhelming. He snorted. And you somehow believe my presence will make people behave? Yes, actually. She offered him the barest hint of a smile. I know it's an incredibly selfish thing to ask, but I've been having difficulties with crowds. You're telling me the witch who walked back into my manor as if nothing ever happened is having trouble dealing with a few people knowing her name. She crossed her arms. You're being rude. Draco closed his eyes. He reeled in a deep breath and let it out slowly. I'm sorry. Granger vanished her mug from the end table and took a step back. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have asked. I didn't think... I realize now what I'm asking is incredibly insensitive. She turned for the door, quickly pulling it open. "'What's the dress for?' He couldn't help but ask. Draco watched as her shoulders stiffened. There was a brief pause before she faced him again. "'There's a gala at the end of the summer to celebrate the next chapter at Hogwarts. It hasn't been publicized to the students yet, but McGonagall requested that I prepare a speech. I'd ask you to go with me. However, seeing how well this conversation has gone, I'd rather not continue to bugger things up between us.' He vanished his own cup and then returned to his feet. "'What's the hurry on the dress?' "'It's silly,' she shook her head. "'I know as we get closer to our N.E.W.T.'s, I'll be hard-pressed to want to leave the castle.' Draco's lips drew to the side. He took a tentative step closer to her. "'You're right. That is silly.' Granger shrugged. "'Well, I'll leave you to your lion.' "'And how do you plan to get to Diagon?' He took another step. She watched him wearily. Her brow flickered with something that resembled intrigue. McGonagall's given me permission to use her private flu. 
And when do we leave? Her brown eyes widened. We? she asked. Draco nodded once. Whenever you're ready, she grinned. Merlin, if that smile didn't make everything more difficult. Draco wanted to contemplate a million more ways to force that same expression from her. He'd never turn down another request if it meant she'd look at him, of all people, just like that. I'll need a shirt first, he said. Granger's smile curled a little higher, and her nose scrunched. That's probably a good idea. Madame Malkins was as busy as any other Saturday. School terms had ended. The summer season brought with it charity banquets and weddings, yet no one seemed to pay any mind to the witch and wizard who flew directly into the shop. It helped that an associate was prepared for Granger's arrival. The two were shown into a private room where an assortment of robes awaited her. While she browsed through the racks, Draco stood with his back to the wall. He had his face turned toward the window, watching the weekend shoppers trudge by the shop. "'You should wear red,' he said, not looking at her. "'Why? Because I'm a Gryffindor?' Hermione teased back. "'That's a given, but also because red complements your skin.' "'Been taking notes on my complexion, have we?' Slowly, Draco drew his eyes away from the window. His stare started low at her feet before creeping up to her eyes. His only response was that of an arched brow. "'Perhaps, for the sake of this new chapter, I should wear colors from another house,' she said. "'I do think I'd enjoy witnessing Potter's reaction to seeing you in Slytherin green,' he smirked. Hermione pulled an emerald two-piece off the rack— before moving in front of the standing mirror. She held it over her frame and took in its appearance. "'You'd need to join me at the gala to witness that.' "'Not on your life.' She returned the dress to the rack and continued down the line. As silently as he could manage, Draco stalked across the room. He reached around Granger's waist and pulled a sage dress from the display. "'Try this one on,' he said. Granger turned. She must have realized how little space there was between them, because she flinched. Her hip rattled the clothing rack and dresses fell to the floor. She blushed, and with quick wand work, she returned the dresses to their hangers. "'It's a subtler green,' Draco said while watching Granger's blush descend her neck. She took the sage dress from his hand. Granger looked it over once, and then returned her eyes to his. Her stare held for only a second longer before she swallowed harshly and turned away. She quickly ducked around Draco's arm before closing herself into the changing room. Draco chuckled, turning his head in mirth. It had been a long time since he enjoyed the effect he could have on witches. Even still, this felt different. He wanted to make Granger blush. He wanted to make her smile. It meant less to know that he could rattle any witch he pleased because his sole focus became trying to rattle one very specific witch. Seeing Granger flustered by his mere proximity unearthed a new feeling— it was warm and cozy, but equally as jarring. It wasn't a feeling robbed by Azkaban. It was something new entirely. And when Granger stepped out of that changing room, Draco realized something else. The power he had over her, the ability to make her blush and cause her heart to race, she'd held that same power over him. The ivory slip fanned out at Granger's waist, accentuating her hips. Sheer sage fabric parted over her chest and fell near her feet. The dress had shortened sleeves and a low neckline. Her back was entirely bare, and Draco had a perfect view of it in the mirror behind her. "'How do you feel?' he asked. 
Draco respectfully held her eyes, despite how desperately he wished he could turn away. "'I feel stunning.' Hermione's blush was back in full force. "'Stunning is an understatement, Granger. You look—' She flashed him a mock glare when Draco didn't finish his reply. "'I expected this to be harder. I should try on other things, no?' Draco shrugged, stuffing his hands in his pockets. "'My assessment would remain the same regardless of what you tried on.' Hermione laughed. She shook her head at him before swatting his shoulder. "'Well, since there are no paper bags for me to shimmy into to disprove your theory, I'll have them send this up to the school. Would you like me to ask if they have any sample swatches available for you to match your robes to mine?' She winked. She was closing the door to the changing room when Draco yelled, "'I'm not going to that gala, Granger!' She laughed again, and Draco smirked, feeling smug. Hermione wanted to dance with him, to be seen with him, well, wasn't that just bloody perfect? Once her dress was stashed away and pending its trip by Owl up to Hogwarts, Granger surprised him by graving his hand. She led him from the shop and out onto Diagon Alley. Fancy some ice cream? she asked. He stopped. I really shouldn't. Granger dropped his hand before facing him. You don't like ice cream? I find that hard to believe. Draco sighed. He couldn't hold her stare. They don't want me in there. Trust me. But I want you in there, and I don't give a flying flubberworm what anyone else thinks about it. He did meet her eyes as he said again. I shouldn't. Her forehead creased in thought. She reached forward and squeezed his fingers between hers. I'll be right back. His shrug of indifference was the best reply he could manage. He watched Granger's feet recede before tucking himself in the shadows between buildings. If people stared as he waited for her, Draco didn't notice. His eyes remained fixed to the ground. He kicked idly at the stones until a delicate hand waved a bowl of ice cream in his face. "'I got you chocolate,' Granger said. "'If I remember correctly, you've always had a bit of a sweet tooth. You used to devour all the chocolate creams before Goyle can get his hands on one.' Draco took the spoon between his lips. "'I see your brilliance lends itself beyond textbook matters.' They walked side by side on their way to the return flue at Madame Malkin's. Granger was slow in her steps, seemingly trying to drag out their trip for some unknown reason. "'You always ate your sweets before the meal,' she noted. "'There's a sad story behind that.' She made a soft humming noise. "'I'd like to hear it.' Draco briefly gnawed on the end of his spoon. His lips pursed around it and he frowned. Sweets were reserved for special occasions.' Mother had them made up by the house-elves for her favorite guests, but I was rarely permitted to eat them. After I turned eleven, pastries were deemed childish by my father. I always had a sweet tooth, but Hogwarts became the only place where I could indulge. Granger smiled to herself. I imagine Hogwarts was that for many of us. A place we could indulge. Draco remained silent, contemplating his ice cream in her close proximity. He hated feeling vulnerable— and perhaps a little less so around her. "'Was this as bad as you expected?' she asked after a long moment passed between them. His eyes lifted and he found her watching him. "'I'm not signing up for another shopping trip any time soon, if that's what you're asking.' Granger laughed. "'No, we can limit our excursions to the stream and the grounds for the next few months.' "'Could I take you into Hawksmead?' She furrowed a brow. "'Yesterday you were vehemently against going there.' I. he silenced. Draco wasn't certain where his request came from. 
It slipped past his lips without thought, but he was now more concerned she might say no than he was embarrassed for having asked. I could take you to dinner, he clarified, as an apology for breaking our study sessions. And beyond that. Dinner. Her head fell to the side. She blinked up at him with her spoon perched against her bottom lip. Draco held open the door for her, and Granger slid by, briefly stealing another glance. They moved through the shoppers toward the back room. Granger stopped short of the flu and turned to him. Dinner would be nice, she said. Her expression was unreadable, and that bothered him. But Draco wasn't about to question it. She'd agreed to go out with him, and that was the important bit. He nodded once. Friday, seven o'clock. Her eyes narrowed. Seven o'clock. Granger stepped through the flu first, and he followed her. Draco saw them before she did. Granger, with her curious, indecipherable expression, was still staring at him. She hadn't noticed they weren't alone until Draco's hand was snagged and bound. Her jaw dropped, head spinning and eyes scanning the many oars flanked before them. "'Draco Malfoy, you've broken the terms of your probation by making an unauthorized trip by flu to Diagon Alley. Your caseworker has asked that we transport you to her office immediately.' Draco handed his ice cream off to the evidently perplexed Hermione Granger. "'Draco!' she gasped. "'What in Godric's name? What were you thinking?' He said nothing, and so she continued. "'Why did you agree to go?' He shrugged casually. "'Because you asked.' Draco held her stare as playful smirk blossomed across his lips. The last thing he saw before he was dragged away was Granger's wide eyes and shock-parted lips. Granger was waiting for him when he returned. It was late, closer to morning than evening. She was seated on his bed and stood when he arrived. "'Are you all right?' she approached him. The ore department had him cuffed and waiting to meet with his caseworker for hours. They had held him in a cold, dark interrogation room, as if his current crimes were worse than getting ice cream with one of Britain's most famous witches. "'Your testimony didn't hurt,' he remarked without enthusiasm. "'I tried to follow,' her hands wavered. McGonagall couldn't sanction the use of her flu again, not while law enforcement was involved. Why didn't you tell me? You didn't ask. Granger scowled, crossing her arms. That's hardly an answer. Do you know how guilty I felt knowing I was responsible for your arrest? If you told me when I asked you to go, I would have dropped it all immediately. Draco kicked off his shoes and unbuttoned his shirt. He flopped down on his bed, looking up at the ceiling. Don't ignore me, she commanded suddenly standing at his side. "'I'm tired, Granger. What do you want from me?' She bit her lip. Draco forced himself to turn away. The worry, the unmistakable hurt streaked across her face. He couldn't look at her. This had been a mistake. All of it. "'Are you in trouble?' He shook his head. "'I'll be fine, so long as I'm on my best behavior until graduation.' "'Can you even go to Hogsmeade?' Draco snorted, but said nothing. She sat down on the edge of his bed. He could feel her unwavering stare hot on his cheek. Please don't pull away now. I thought we'd be becoming friends. Something inside of him cracked. Whether it was his heart or his mind, Draco didn't know. His head tilted back and he locked eyes with her. You and I will never be friends. Granger didn't move, but she tensed. He watched the tendon in her neck bulge beneath the skin. "'You're upset. You're lashing out, but you don't mean that.' "'I do,' he said quickly. 
That's what I'd planned to tell you yesterday evening. That's why I waited for you in the common room. You need to move on. Find something else to busy yourself with. Something that's not me. She stood, shaking her head erratically. No. I let you push me away before, but I'm not allowing that to happen again. When you walked into the ministry all those months ago, I didn't recognize the person in front of me. You always had fire, Draco. A purpose. Where did it go? Fight back, remember? What? Because I don't harass you anymore? Call you names? There's something wrong with me? Yes, she breathed. You used to challenge me. You made me try harder. That's why I agreed to our arrangement. But you were lost. You were hurting, and these last few days... I've seen the old you coming back. Draco rolled his eyes. He turned onto his side, his back proudly presented to her. You don't know who I was. We've lived together for years. You don't think I was paying attention? He was sitting up with an indignant huff. The heat in his cheeks and the tension in his face pulled down across his shoulders. What do you want from me? I... Her jaw wavered. Brown eyes grew impossibly large. I don't know. Well, perhaps you should figure that out before you force me to endure another one of your swatting rants. Hurt splashed across her face. She took a tentative step back. He expected her to leave, to walk out. That's what he wanted her to do. But something in her shifted. Granger's brows knit. Her lips parted and her hands tucked into fists. She stalked forward in two long strides before taking his shirt between her hands. Before he could question it, before he understood her intentions... Hermione's lips pressed into his. They burned. And as quickly as she was there, she was gone, taking every fraction of heat with her. Draco was left gasping. Find your fire, Draco, because I'm not giving up on you. 